One, two, three, there, four, there five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> we, <laughs> well, look, we have to start side. at some point. You know that, right? <laughs> what are you on my, doing? On my side, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed. Uh, we're not ready for that yet, are we? <laughs> We've been we're, ready for we're it. We're here in the dark. <laughs> Our small local sun has... <laughs> Has moved beyond the horizon. I wasn't going to say it's set over the horizon. It has just merely moved far from our vision. Yeah, circularly. Circularly, yeah. Which we along a plane mm-hmm. in the it's sky. It's like looking at it's like looking at railroad tracks, right? There's just a vanishing right. point in the distance where it gets exactly. smaller and smaller That's as it approaches it the horizon. Away. But it doesn't. It you does. would think it would be foreshortened, but we'll skip over that. And if anything, the. Uh, <laughs> the eclipse this week proves that. It always that. still looks round, but that's that's details. <laughs> Just minor details. Are you going to do the intro? I'm going to do the intro. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Backers, a fortnightly podcast where we explore the most compelling campaigns in a random category on Kickstarter, and each pick a campaign to back. We are your host, Chris Rumpf and Brian Dupuy, and this week we're talking about what we back in the art category. Hi, Ryan. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Woo, art We're back. Yeah. yeah. Did you have fun with this one? Man, I thought this was going to be a breeze. Uh-huh. It, um, was it a breeze? I had no idea what we were getting into. It was kind of a tough space. Yeah, at first I was just like, this is going to be great. And then I started looking at the 300 projects. Yeah. And I was like, maybe we just cancel the podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe this idea <laughs> was not, maybe this was not for us. Let's go talk about uh, narwhals or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, some something we actually know about. Yeah, narwhals. <laughs> so I think I know help. more about nar. Yeah, it <laughs> was a it was a tough space. Unless you really dig enamel pins, then I think you're right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, they should they should call it the enamel pin category. <laughs> Did you count how many enamel pin campaigns no, there were? They're innumerable. I think. Wouldn't you say it's at least 20? 20%? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it felt like 20%. It did. We're scrolling through pages and it's like, oh, yep, there's one with a, what was it, Batman and uh, uh, Catwoman? Cat, Catwoman looking Batman. What was the one that you found with the cat? Uh, with there's his... a cat doing a handstand with his anus showing. <laughs> I mean, it was... Uh, did you not back that? Car- well, I'm not going to tell you yet. Okay, we can we can make it a surprise. Yep, that's fair enough. Yeah, um, I, I, the other part, I, maybe we just didn't do our due diligence with this, um, and I and I'll I'll take at least half the blame for that. But I didn't expect much of what I found in the art category. Um, enamel pins, I'm fine with. That's apparently a popular niche right now. I guess I wasn't so much expecting the, um, I really like drawing on walls, pay me so that I can live a life of wall drawing, right? That was, uh, <laughs> that was an awakening for me or any of the innumerable, let me live my lifestyle the way I want. And you give me money because I need to be able to do this. Yeah. I mean, last week we talked about, I guess what we thought Kickstarter was, mm-hmm. maybe it's, Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Were we wrong? Let me see. Bad here. assumption. So there's Kickstarter, 
which as we discovered, or at least whenever we were doing our reading on it, promoted itself as a way for creative people to get their products, ideas, and even artwork out to other people. Yeah, let right? me check this for a second. Let me hang, hang on, hang on. Okay. Alexa, what is Kickstarter? <laughs> Kickstarter is an American public benefit corporation based in Brooklyn, New York, that maintains a global crowdfunding platform focused on creativity. Well, by that definition, <laughs> maybe we're just the big losers, right? Maybe we just don't get it. We should be uh, allowing people to express themselves through the medium of drawing on walls and support them in that, right? Yeah. So when I went in, I guess what I was thinking was like, art, great. We've got a lot of bare walls in the house. And I was excited <laughs> about maybe finding some some trappings for our naked walls, right? Uh-huh. Either in the, the bonus room we're trying to finish out or elsewhere in the house where there are blank walls staring back at us and have been for uh-huh. a long time. You know, maybe there would be something compelling. Great, a great print, even maybe an artist signature, limited edition, something cool. Man, it was hard to find those just wading through the, the, the sea of enamel pins. <laughs> and, and like you mentioned, all the campaigns that had, I don't know, support my lifestyle as an artist. Yeah. Th- th- those, those things that I conceived of being better served on other platforms like yeah, Patreon exactly. or GoFundMe. Yeah, rather than Kickstarter, Kickstarter, where I always thought about it as Kickstarter is helping you. I mean, yeah, launch an idea, right. but nominally, usually there being a product um, associated with that, I guess. Or or in the art category, you know, maybe not just a product, but I totally expected for art to be, um, yeah, more like supporter stuff trying to get Art installations off the ground, that kind of thing. And I even understand the ones that are help me get my idea of a studio off the ground, right? That will support inner city youth or disabled veterans or some subset of the ill-served population begging for a release, a creative release through artwork, right? I I can kind of get that. But I want to travel around and draw things so please give me money so that i can travel around and draw things just it just hit me way wrong can i tell you what my favorite one that i ran into of the are you kidding me variety oh laid on me (laughs) teaching millennials how to drive manual cars that (laughs) i just and it was it wasn't even they don't know how to drive cars brian they don't no these these millenniums these days they i speaking as someone that drives a manual transmission with a daughter coming up on driving age i plan to teach her how to drive a manual transmission because i feel like that's a life skill that i'd like to pass on i don't want to see it die off but this campaign it was nothing more than a naked grab. <laughs> and the the backing amount was not like $500 in order to set up a, a space where I can teach people. No, it was $35,000 so that this person could acquire a manual transmission car because you can't buy a manual transmission for under $35K, right? So he's got a specific car in mind, manual transmission, that he wants purchased not so that he can drive it, but in order to allow him to express himself by teaching millennials how to drive manual transmission cars. Just 
it's stunning in its audacity. I'm I'm surprised he didn't have a like an invoice from the dealership for the car that he wanted to buy, right? He'd been down there negotiating with, with Jim and his uh, senior manager. Yep. Up and I'm going to go talk to Todd and see if we can work this deal. And bring It's $35,681.94. Well, let's just put that on Kickstarter and see if somebody will buy me a car. Yeah. So um, there's been no updates on this one and no comments. Yeah, that's a shame. The risks and challenges... Millennials will not be able to will not be able to drive sticks. <laughs> yeah, uh, must involve at least one vehicle, you know, and insurance to cover multiple drivers. So you know he's covered his bases there, and he's getting edging closer to the thirty five thousand dollar goal. He's he's got eighteen bucks so far pledged. So chipping away at it, <laughs> but chopping chopping wood. Yeah, I just it just I love it. In a way, I love it. In another way, I'm just, I marvel at it. Do you have any favorites that didn't, uh, in a in a not-so-positive light, perhaps? <laughs> in a not-so-positive light? Yeah. We, uh, I mean, we have the ones that we're, we backed and they runner-up, yeah. but do you have any that... that I'm just doing some research particularly here. Particularly egregious real, Real-time ones? research to see. It still has 15 days to go. The Lost Heads of Michael Jackson. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, one. um... That was kind of a, a personal favorite. Yeah. A uh, $20,000 goal. Uh-huh. 15 days to go. So just a little over two weeks. Uh, right. Zero, zero backers. So oh. if this podcast released releases by the time this project does not finish up, someone listening, please swoop in and help Dale Butcher and Anthony Pantage. Uh, support the Lost Heads of Michael Jackson, a unique <laughs> collectible of 1980s pop culture not seen for 33 years. There were 10 Michael Jackson heads made for the 11-inch doll by LJN Toys in 1984. And this project is trying to... (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you can do it. Number one, to make sure a piece of history from the 1980s is kept from being lost in time. Two, to offer collectors what I feel is one of the more unique collectibles in toys and pop culture of the 1980s. Oh, is it? To encourage collecting in general for future generations because... (laughs) Saving these Michael uh-huh. Jackson doll heads is definitely going to ensure that our future generations have a firm passion for collections. Some lofty goals about model sculpting, modeling. Yeah, so... They're making them, right? I think so. Somehow I mean, it's not like I, they found a stash of Michael Jackson heads and they're selling them now. They're constructing them? You know... I, I guess I didn't... Didn't, uh, didn't dig in deep dig, enough? Dig super deep. I did, look, I did look through the pictures, though. Another yeah. aspect... Of this that I discovered, I don't know if you did, if if this hit you the way it that it hit me. As I'm digging through these campaigns, and, you know, there's various sorting methods, and you can sort by the ones that are going to end the soonest, right? So these are campaigns that are on their last gasp. They've got six hours left, and they have zero backers or one backer. They've got nobody that they were able to convince they had a compelling product that was worth people like you and me throwing their money at, right? And I I got kind of reclimped. I was kind of I was sad for them, you know? That they took their shot. They took a chance. They put some things together. They put effort into it of varying degrees, right? And it didn't catch on. And <laughs> now they're they're right. 6 hours from being forgotten or at least passed over and at, I, I don't know whether 
you found the same thing, but I was genuinely sad for these people. They, uh, they gave it their best shot and were found wanting. And I, I don't know. I, I applaud them for the bravery and courage of removing headphone jacks. No, uh, of putting out their, their campaign, but, um, I just felt bad for them. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, so you get to that point as well where the, the campaign is closing and you've put yourself out there. You've got an idea, e- even if it's something like trying to get Kickstarters to buy you a car, <laughs> not nominally under the, the auspices of, of teaching millennials how to drive. Uh-huh. And you, did, you didn't make it. Right. There are going to be those projects where you didn't make it by 10%, right? You got 90% funded. Oh, and yeah. It just didn't, didn't happen. Yeah. That's got to be rough, but has to feel a lot better than you had zero backers. Right. Right. Everyone either saw through the ruse. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm so not going to buy that, you maybe, a car, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in that case, you're like, okay, well, that didn't work, but it didn't really cost me anything to give it a shot. Right. But yeah, if it's something you believe in, like what was the one where the guy um, had a real respect for Marcel Duchamp and he was trying to have the flower vases in skates? Right. Right. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was a serious art attempt, at least serious in the Dada style, and that it was trying to make sure. fun of art critics. Right. And I actually kind of had... It a, resonated with you? Uh, yeah, it very much did, because yeah. I've always loved Duchamp's uh, Fountain. Are you familiar with... I'm not cultured. For, are you kidding? No. Yeah. So, like, in the in the Dada movement... God, you're going to drop knowledge on me. Yeah, I'm I can so drop excited. a little bit of knowledge. It's been a while, but the the art community, right? That that was just fawning over high-minded art, okay. right? There was a Dada movement that really pushed back against this, and in effect, would create pieces to kind of thumb their nose at the the sure. art, the, right? the high-minded art, the the elites, yeah, right. So one of his most famous pieces is called Fountain. It was just a urinal. <laughs> <laughs> that he dropped at an art installation. And I just love that, right? It's like you oh. just throw a urinal into an art gallery and then you have people like come around and talk about the oh. aesthetic lines and the meaning and I could so visit that. Right. So Yes. Yeah. The idea of That's just fantastic. Put, putting flowers into an ice skate. <laughs> I don't really know what that that means, but it's art, I guess. It is. Uh, Are we ready to talk about All right. Art lessons over. Yeah. But thank you for dropping the knowledge. Are we ready to talk about the ones that we found? Yeah, man. Let's give it up. I'm here. Check this out for one second. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Okay. That's good. Clear <laughs> it out. This episode, I'm going to contact them after this, but this episode is uh, possibly brought to us by Nasacourt this week. <laughs> <laughs> we were battled. looking for a sponsor. <laughs> All right. We've got one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Thank you, Nasacourt. Mm-hmm. I figure if we're going to talk about our, our runners-up, I guess the best way to do it is to admit that my only runner-up is the same thing as your second runner-up, which uh, and we should tell you guys that we had no prior knowledge of either of our selections until yesterday, and Chris didn't base his decisions on mine, and I didn't base my decisions on his. They were purely our own selections, but we ended up having runners-up of the exact same one. My my first runner-up and Chris's second runner-up is... Chris, do you want to tell people about our runner-up? Yeah, let me pull... It's the Dinosaurs of the Wild West. Yeah. Sean Keenan is the artist. He's a 
video game industry artist, um, works for Nintendo. Have no idea what projects he was involved with at Nintendo, but this is a a book. It's a fairly big book, right? It's what was it? Three hundred pages? Is that right? Was it that large? Uh, hundred and thirty pages. Hundred and thirty, yeah. Of his artwork of us coexisting with dinosaurs in the Wild West, and I thought, first of all very cool idea <laughs> apparently this guy really loves his dinosaurs and he also loves period pieces especially the wild west and why not throw the two together and you have to see this thing the link will be in the show notes his aesthetic and just the design chops are top-notch beautiful artwork <laughs> i really i mean it's very what's the word i'm looking playful obviously because no, there weren't dinosaurs in the Wild West, but just a fantastic execution and conception of these ideas. Yeah, I thought so, too. Like, it's just super imaginative. The art is fantastic. Almost a, I mean, it's a, almost kind of like a cartoon style. Did you yes. just mention that? Yeah, but I guess mixed with a little bit of realism. I mean, just a great, great visual design to them Yeah, and kind of shows, what, cow, if you like cowboys on raptors, then this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even the different situations that he put them in, right? They're, they're, it's like the gold rush of the, the 49ers, right? And they're all in a caravan going across the prairie. There's Indians on Triceratops. There's a cowboy on a, on a Velociraptor sliding down a, a cliff like he would be on a horse. It's just, it's, whimsical it's cute but just executed so excellently i really came close uh the only reason i think i didn't choose this is because i couldn't see just having an art book sitting on my coffee table i i would look at it on occasion and i'm sure it would be a fantastic source of interest for visitors but at the end of the day uh, i chose not to back it primarily for that reason just because uh, I, I didn't see what I would do with it afterwards. Maybe that's bad. Maybe art should exist just for art and I should support it for that reason. But that was my reasons for not, uh, taking it any further. Yeah. I felt kind of, uh, very much of the same sentiments, right? Like, and I actually do have a number of art books. They mostly all tend to be the art of star Wars. So. <laughs> <laughs> and but, but nothing but Star Wars. <laughs> but yeah, they kind of sit in the library on the yeah. shelf, and I pull them down from time to time. But yeah, I'm not just going to leave them out on the coffee table. I'm not going to put them behind the toilet and <laughs> use them for, for for reading and you know contemplating uh, uh, during my morning constitutional. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, the the one cool thing though about this. Uh, so he did have this art book that he had put together. It was multiple pages. I think it was also available as a digital copy. Yes. Which is pretty cool and a hardcover. Yeah. And then there were some backing levels that you could get prints as well. And I, I think, trying to remember, I'm just scrolling, scrolling down here. I should have done this before, but there was an original art set as well. Yep. So Several actually. That, that's pretty great, right? To, yeah. To have some rewards where backers can come in. And one backer only because it's an original piece come yep. in and, and claim uh, just amazing piece of art. So if, and maybe I should 
just after I hang up here, just going back it anyway. Well, that was the thing. Like all the originals were already gone. So if anything, like I was oh, interested no. in, I wanted, yeah, I wanted one of the original pieces. You're right. They're um, all gone. Yep. So oh, no, that's unfortunate. Okay. Yep. Never mind. I don't need art. Stupid art. <laughs> you can reach out to Sean and have him uh, do a contract piece for you. Yeah, because I, that's how I roll. I'm <laughs> money bags. So you had a. That was your second runner-up. That was not your first runner-up. Right. So my first runner-up also was another art book by, I'm probably going to butcher her name, but Eliza Ivanova, who is an animator at Pixar. Oh. And, right, that's kind of in my wheelhouse as well. So yeah. Yeah, knowing that there was an animator at Pixar that had taken several of her sketches, and her her campaign was called Raw Material. So the thrust behind her campaign was to take, selections of her drawings that she's done over the last uh, five years and compiled them into a book as well. But she had taken just pieces from her sketchbooks, her folders that were raw, hence the name raw material. So um, not colored, not, not doctored up, but just her original sketches. And uh, like I said, compile those and put them into a book as well. And she had that's very cool. Both, yeah, both a soft cover and a hard cover at some pledge levels, and then um, again, you know, as all these campaigns do, more and more pledge levels where you can get some original pieces of art as well. Yeah, but that's very cool. Her stuff. I, tell I don't you, know if you took a look through it, but I mean, yeah, I did. Just super cool. She has a really fantastic eye for the human form. Yeah, and I don't know. Her her characters are so expressive. There's so much emotion that's in all these sketches that I was just drawn to the the pictures and yeah. really almost threw my threw my lot in. After looking at all of them, I really wondered who she was responsible for animating. Like I saw she worked on Brave, I saw she worked on The Monsters University, I saw she worked on that more recent one. What's that? The one with all of the um the egos in the brain. Uh, I forget what that I didn't see that one, but like yes. for Brave, I'm really curious now seeing what she does and and like you said, the expressiveness of the characters. I'm really curious what she was responsible for for like Brave, you know? Just to see where that influence went in that movie. Because there were a lot of really well well, it's a Pixar movie, so it's always expressive and very well done uh, animations on these characters. So, but seeing the raw artwork makes me wonder what her responsibilities were. Right, right. Yeah, and it's always interesting knowing uh, what. And we're not going to know from this project, but it would be interesting to know where does an artist come in the conceptual phase. Sure. And where does the rubber meet the road when it? comes to actually doing the animation and how does that translate to the the modeling and the animation and the lighting? I mean, there's a whole cast of crew that comes together to put together any one of these. Um, oh God. Yes. Yeah. Right. Anyone that sat through the credits will can attest to that. Yeah. It's astonishing. The number of people involved in these productions. Yeah. The, like you mentioned, the thing that I found cool about that one with raw material was often it can be even more interesting seeing the sketches as they are before they're cleaned up to see how the how they came together, how the you know those defining lines at first that usually get erased, seeing them in place kind of gives you more of a 
impression of where everything came from to begin with. You know, it's kind of, it provides an insight that you don't get from the finished drawings. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting from Eliza's just art style as well, because she talks about how in her sketch style, she doesn't actually erase lines at all. (laughs) So when she's sketching, you know, when the mistakes go down or maybe just an errant line, she'll leave that there because maybe she'll come back to it and and use it in some way. Maybe it'll inspire her some other way as well. And like even thinking about backing her project, I dug into some of her other materials from back when she was at CalArt and she did some other animation productions. Uh, Just so listeners, uh, go check out Raw Material, Google Eliza, and look at all her work. She is amazingly talented and certainly worth giving some attention to. Do you want to talk about... Should we do it? Yeah. Do you, do yeah. The, the finals or the... Yeah. yeah. The, those were dun, the penultimate dun, 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 dun. Pieces, so. Do you want to go first? Yours is... Yours is... Um, yeah. It's or, a little heady, isn't it? It is. Mine is not. Let's do we go let's with the, do, let's do the yours. lightweight one. Okay. Yeah. I should, I, so for mine, um, <laughs> after long and careful thought, uh, I elected to back the Solar System at a Date posters campaign. Um, I didn't back it at the poster level. I got a coffee mug, so don't be mad at me. I think it's because, number one, I've been reading uh, Bill Bryson's A Short History of Nearly Everything. I've been listening to a whole lot of uh, podcasts about our origins and the solar system's origins and galactic and universal origins and the thought of well number one it's just the really cool idea that they provide you with a piece of media whether that's a poster or postcard or like i got a coffee mug that has the orientation of our solar system as it was on a particular date. So my idea was I'm going to get it as a present for my wife and have her birth date on it. And then it's a kind of a unique piece of, of art that signifies your, a a special date in your past in a very um, different way. And I thought that was pretty doggone cool. The posters are, are attractive. They're kind of a minimalistic, art style gradient background with kind of crisp lines for the paths of the planets and then the planets themselves. So I thought it was a pretty neat idea and also functional. I I wanted something that wasn't, it was either going to be like you said, a piece of art that I could stick on a wall where I don't have anything, but my wife is the one with the, (laughs) with the more creative bent that would probably, um, shriek if I brought home a giant three by four poster that didn't (laughs) match something. So, um, I figure I was safer with a a coffee mug and I, I love coffee. My wife loves coffee. So it was perfect. So that's what I chose. That's awesome. Yeah. What was your your thought on Pluto being included in the map? (laughs) That's very contentious, right? Um, it is. I, I, I didn't contact Neil deGrasse Tyson to get him the way on it. He's, He's pretty anti-Pluto as far as I remember, but you know what? Pluto was good enough for my childhood. It's good enough for now. I, 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 I'm I, not a Pluto hater. I think it should be included. <laughs> it's controversial. It is, but you know, I, you got to stand up for what you believe in. Are you on the pro-Pluto side? You Are know, we going to have a fight? Because it was part of my childhood. There you go. Right? I felt like 
Pluto was supposed to be given consideration as a planet. My solar brother. But Thank I don't you, know, Chris. man. That, well, I'm going to say that that argument from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, but he's gotten he's gotten a little irritating recently. So I, I'm I'm going to buck the trend. I'm 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 not on the NDT train as yeah, I gotta, hard. I think we just have to grandfather Pluto in. Yeah. Right? We, Don't screw with Pluto. It right. was fine where it was. I mean, I get the whole thing that it hasn't cleared its orbit of other matter and all that stuff. Like, it doesn't qualify. It, if we let Pluto in, then there are other objects in the solar system that have to be classified now under that same definition as whatever body Pluto is. But you know what? Let's just Pluto's grandfathered in, and that's it. We'll let, let it let Just let it ride. Let it ride. Yeah. So these guys, this is their third campaign and third successful campaign. They've had two other ones that were also backed. So that's a pretty good record. And I actually liked their other two as well. And I I could see them finding some success with you. They were both movie-based. One was a kind of interesting take on the totality of a movie, like presented in in a very almost like a, a, a graph way. It's very hard to explain. You'd have to see it. And my battery's dying, so I actually can't turn on my screen right now. But <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not going to go any deeper into it. But um, the other one was like a snapshot from the movie, including Star Wars, um, mm-hmm. done in a another... If you go and look, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. But done in a very abstract way that was pretty cool i could see you digging it so yeah i didn't dig deep into their previous uh creations so yeah maybe later i'll go dig into those and just give a chance to see what else they had yeah but i i dig solar system stuff like there was a place and i don't even remember where it was i want to say yeah i'm not sure but i went and visited a place that had a not a scale model of the solar system but a scale model of the distances between solar objects and that was really mind-blowing like you've seen that video i'm sure where it's a real-time light speed trip from the sun to the to pluto basically and just the distances and times involved are really mind-shattering right or mind-numbing you just can't fathom it it's really almost beyond conception and that's just our solar system right yeah i've seen the one where you're basically a particle of light that leaves the sun. That's the, the the viewpoint from the camera, and it's racing out towards the edge of the solar system. And you're just you're along for the ride, and it'll give you like a countdown time till next planet. So Mercury passes by so fast. Yeah. And then I can't and remember. Seven the, minutes the, later, yeah, it's, like, it's like Earth, right? But I mean, there's right. There's and that. And you're other... just sitting there the whole time, and when it passes by the planet, it just goes by in the blink of an eye as well. Yep. And then it's shrinking. To a, a, a dot again, <laughs> yeah. almost immediately, right? Yeah, because really. you're moving so fast. And yet the distances are so... So, yeah, I, I, I couldn't help it. That's what I backed. That's great. Yeah. Now, what did you back, Chris? Man, I don't know what to say about what I backed. I, like, <laughs> I think you do know what to say about what you backed. <laughs> I don't know where to start. What's the name? Okay, we'll start there. So I backed White, White Wanderer. A climate change soundtrack. What? And so <laughs> this was a project where I didn't end up with something that I can put on a wall. Not a piece of you can't visual put a piece art. Of though the, there, uh, okay. there were some pieces to that. I ended up going with backing what is a, an art installation. 
Okay. Let me just read straight from the uh, campaign itself to give an idea of what this is. White Wanderer, an immersive public art installation by Luftwerk, takes inspiration from the Larsen Sea Ice Shelf in Antarctica, which broke off into the Windle Sea in July 2017. Using real-life recordings of the sounds and frequencies of melting and moving glaciers, the artists will create a haunting and contemplative soundtrack of climate change that few have heard. Wow. And so that's the high-minded goal for the project. The glacier sounds will accompany a scaled representation of the 120-mile crack in the Larsen Sea ice shelf, which will be positioned directly onto the building facade at 2 North Riverside Plaza in Chicago to help people imagine the scale and scope of climate change. Each okay. day, 30,000 people pass through the plaza. So that's now, what I backed. That, yeah. Do you think you'll yeah. be joined by our president in backing this? So I'm going to read one more piece from it, because I think this <laughs> expresses better than the, the campaign that is. Why is this important? Why is this important? Because it does. it did resonate with me when I got to this yeah. point. In June, our president, President Trump announced his decision to withdraw from the US withdraw the US from the Paris Climate Agreement weakening global efforts to combat climate change White Wanderer was developed as a public art intervention to help people experience the colossal effects of climate change in an innovative way while bolstering support for much needed climate conservation and action So I remember this back in June and I think it's important that these markers I mean we're going to have many more of these ahead of us in this presidency but when these markers come by and we get enraged about, I mean, I think in in mass as a American population kind of got angsty over <laughs> Trump withdrawing from the Paris Climate Accords, right? Yeah. Because there's a recognition that human activity has had a direct impact on climate and i'm thinking about my child and what the climate is going to be like in his future and we're watching real now these days real tangible evidence of climate change in action with this giant piece of ice shelf in antarctica and it is truly you can't can't think about it right 120 mile crack but this thing uh the scale is just massive yeah Um, the size of delaware just breaking away and falling into the ocean yeah. yeah, I just think it's worth keeping this in people's minds, and that's what this art installation is going to do. It's going to be set up so that people that come to uh, Expo Chicago from September 13th to 17th can see this and have a conversation around it. That makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know what else really to say about I'm kind of sad that you won't that. have anything to put on your wall about it, though. Yeah, so actually, there were pieces here as well. Can you go and get some well. of the... Uh... Yeah, some of the cool pieces. There were about 15, I think. 15 or 20 different pieces where they had some prints. I think they were silver uh, prints, maybe around two or two feet by three feet, somewhere in that range. But they were of the seismic activity. They were seismographs oh. from, like, you know, they had researchers down there in Antarctica at that time and were able to take the seismographs and, and visualize those and, and put them up in print. And they were signed. And I was really tempted to to throw in one of those, but they were gobbled up before I had a chance. Uh, okay. Yep. And they did also, so those were the some pieces of art that you could put up. They also printed the sounds of the ice shelf breaking away onto, they pressed it onto a vinyl soundtrack. And 
I don't have a record player. I'm not really in that tribe, so <laughs> I, I chose not That's to back at that separate, level either. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, but the, the artwork for the, the the vinyl cover, you know, I mean, it just looked really cool. It was right. stark white, and in black, you could see the outline of the the, the cracked shelf uh, cutting across the bottom, maybe third of the album cover. And I actually thought about maybe grabbing that and just framing that as a piece of art as well. Yeah, sure. So pretty neat. Uh, uh, so backers for this project, basically you're just fun. If you back at one of the lower levels, you're really just getting a membership to the NRDC and... And helping you know, them but, forward yeah, their just, Yeah, helping them move this, this, this idea forward. Yeah. And you do get a digital download of the the White Wanderer soundtrack, also, and even at the the lowest contribution levels, which is which is pretty cool. I can't imagine it's something you're going to put on and jam out to all the time, but I think it will be really <laughs> interesting to at least put it on and listen to it. Yeah, you know, I'm curious just, to just hear once because I don't know what it's going to. I'm really curious to what it's going to sound like. It's pre- pretty neat. We'll have to have a good system to hear it from. But yeah, so that's that's what I backed. I'm I'm actually really pretty excited about it. It's kind of a feel good backing well, you did a good and thing all I'm, i got I'm, was a coffee mug <laughs> well i'm also not you like a me... super political person and i think in some ways like this was just my chance on a small scale to to make a you contribution dipped your toe in. i did yeah i'm proud of you um, i'm not proud of me i just got a coffee cup well <laughs> i should get a coffee cup yeah i didn't change the world right i'm proud of you chris well thanks yeah, yeah. That's so a good the U- one. yeah, the U.S. pulled out of Paris. I was also remembering too that the other nations that didn't sign the Paris uh, Accord were Syria <laughs> and Nicaragua. <laughs> so, so we're in good we're company. In, we're in some pretty good company. Syria, you know, is completely ravaged by a civil war, so was unable to participate. Hmm. And Nicaragua's stance was that they were not going to sign the agreement because it didn't go far enough. <laughs> they like made they made that decision that said, you know what, we just only think this goes far enough, so we're going to abstain. And, and for us, U- it was it was just who, a bad deal. Who knows deal. why? I never, no, yeah, it was I never a bad even. Deal. It was a bad deal. Okay, it was, it was a bad, bad deal. deal. Just not a good deal for the U.S. No. Pro tip: It was never supposed to be a good deal. That's not what this is about. But uh, just, you can't. Oh, we're getting political. Right. I'm excited. I think it was a good week. What do we have on tap for next week? What are we doing next week? Are we doing? <laughs> we didn't please don't tell me we're so, doing the thing that we talked about. I don't want to do that one. Dance? We're not. We're not. We're not tackling dance, Brian. Thank not, you. Not th- not this time around. We cannot do that. We need to give ourselves a break. Thank you. I can't do it. But we. Um. Yeah. How do we decide? Uh. We, we talked about. We could just run down alphabetically through the fifteen okay. categories. But yeah. we also talked last week too about we're not going to hold ourselves to that no, that mindset but, that we can yeah. jump around. But just because we're not going to hold ourselves doesn't mean we can't. So if we did do it by order, we'll be right in your wheelhouse with comics. Yeah, that is that's a pretty good one. Should we do comics? I'm into it. The, the thing I'm fr- afraid about, like we might have this tendency if we start jumping around, is cherry picking. Yes. The, the well, I think if that, we choose comics this time, we should probably take on something that is a little more challenging the following time. So maybe that will be the time for dance. Well, follow, you know, following comics is crafts and then dance. Yeah. I think we'll be just, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not like anybody's holding our feet to the fire. I think we'll be fine. We can so do which, this. Which category, just looking down the list, are you uh, most, you do, do you have the most trepidation about? Uh, dance is fairly high up there. 
Theater's Especially since dance, if you look either. at the, the number of campaigns. Yeah, they're just so few. Right. So art had tw- 294. I think yeah. over the last couple of weeks, I saw it fluctuate. Just, sure. a, you know, it cracked over 300. Dance um, has 30. Of course, it's going to fluctuate. No, dance currently has 22. Oh, gosh. Which is a pretty small sample set. Yeah. I'm sure I can find some yoga somewhere. All right, we'll be okay. Take, yeah, let's, let's give dance... Let's hold off. Maybe we, more dance projects will come online. We'll we'll keep an eye on it, and whenever it breaks thirty, we'll go all in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So next week, comics. Comics. This is a super exciting one, dude. Yeah. I'm excited. I've never been big in I'm, comics, but I'm looking forward to dipping my toes in. How many enamel pins do you think will be in comics? I uh, I can't even begin to. Uh, hopefully, none. Hopefully that isn't the space for it, but for all I know, it's half. Because I do wonder about that, right? Like, are all enamel pins... There wasn't a subcategory for enamel pins, was there? There wasn't, no. No, okay, yeah. So are enamel pins going to creep into other... Everything? ...domains? I'm not really sure about that. Because one of the things I was hoping for art was... Well, not maybe not hoping, but I was thinking that maybe there would be some art-minded campaigns. Like, I've I seen a lot of campaigns out there for artistic playing cards yeah right but if you go and you look under the games category there is a subcategory for, for playing cards pay- yeah exactly yeah, so like obviously that makes sense that even in. though it's being created by artists and they're beautifully uh rendered or drawn cards they i guess by the rules of where they fit inside kickstarter it makes sense that they would be in that category playing sure. cards other than in art because you can't double up categories apparently sure. Yeah. We'll see. So comics next week. Are we ready to close up shop? I think so, man. Let's do it. That's all of our time today. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We'll be back very soon with another episode where we'll be exploring and backing one campaign from the comic category. Backers was produced by Brian Dupuy and Chris Rump. Our theme song was written and performed by the wonderful Ian Dorsch. Join us again next time, and until then, back responsibly. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers.